sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Why do we do what we do at Mass, and what does it matter for our daily life? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into our topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback, so if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, or for other co-hosts, please email me. <laughs> the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm joined in studio by my co-host. Apparently least favorite co-host. Uh, Renee Kranz. <laughs> Hi, Renee. Hello, Chris. Happy New Year, Renee. Yeah, Happy New Year. It's we're uh, Happy new liturgical new year. New liturgical year is recording. This is the first episode we've recorded since mm-hmm. the new liturgical new yes. liturgical year yes. began. And if you're watching on video, you will see we have a few adventy, a few adventy decor pieces in the decor pieces, decor items. We have our Jesse tree nice. over here. Yes, nice, nice. Couple. I, are we're preparing. you are, in one of your shows? Are you going to talk about what a Jesse tree is? Maybe we should I do that on an episode of Ignition. We could, yes, because, because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I have a Jesse tree, but do we pay? Do we manage to get all the ornaments on there throughout the month and I, <laughs> up to for Christmas? Me, growing up, I never heard of a Jesse tree. Oh, yeah, we did them in catechism oh. classes in CCD. Okay. okay. Come on. Okay. Well, you know, back when, well, it still is, but, you know, teddy bear Jesus and Jesse trees. And- yes, man. Well, whatever you say. <laughs> So speaking of that, <laughs> the mass. I don't know. How it, uh, we no. We we uh, we've got this uh, occasional series that we're doing on the mass. We started off. We quartered like five or six in a row. Mm-hmm. We took a much needed break, <laughs> and then everyone was like, "Oh, oh." So I I thought that we could maybe um, uh, uh, after a few other topics, we could maybe do an episode or two. We'll see. Uh, picking up where we left off. Speaking of which, Renee Kranz, where did we leave off? Do you? I, know? I was going to ask you before we started recording because I do not remember. Yeah, we uh, we I left. Think we basically off. haven't even started the mass yet. So again, well, <laughs> maybe we have. Kind of. We we um, I think we, again. I think we've done five, maybe six already, and uh, the priest is finally processing down the aisle. <laughs> so, are you sure? The, no, I'm sure because we talked <laughs> because last episode we did uh, on on the in the series on the mass, uh, we talked about the opening um, antiphon or hymn. Oh yeah, yeah. And we talked about how we stand uh, and what that means. And I know all that because I reviewed it this morning. That's a good we... thing because I do <laughs> like, not, where did we leave? Off? I have the worst memory and I do not right. remember that. <laughs> so, so again, this is, um, this is our uh, meandering again, for those who have listened to those previous episodes, this is our sixth or seventh episode, and we haven't even gotten to the sign of the cross. We're yet. making but this we the longest today. mass ever. Long, it is really the <laughs> longest mass ever. If you string uh, these together, it'll uh, be like uh, a full day mass. A me- <laughs> it's a meandering, sauntering stroll through yes. the mass. So the priest is not meandering. Hopefully, hopefully he's walking with some purpose. Some priests kind of meander down yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. they greet um, people and no, 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 they they they. So mm. I have seen that happen. Yes, that may they may happen. You're right. Uh, so the priest is processing in. We're standing out of reverence for him who is acting in the person of Christ mm-hmm. the head. We're also standing because it's a prayer posture. Right. We talked about that. And we're singing either an opening antiphon, which is proper to every Sunday mass, every mm-hmm. mass, uh, and is usually scriptural, or a hymn which is another option. Uh, and so now we're actually going to get close to what, when we ask people, 
how, how does the mass begin? They're going to have certain things in mind. So our opening song is probably, or announcements we talked about last time. Right. Uh, so the priest together with, he's on Sundays, he's not usually by himself, Renee. Who's the priest typically with? We didn't talk about that this last time. Well, in some parishes he's with altar servers yep. and a deacon, yep. perhaps. Yep. And, and, and have you ever thought about, I mean, why don't they just kind of walk out onto the... Uh, into the sanctuary. Why do they? Why? Why do we have this mm. procession? Is that reflective of the way of the cross? Uh, ooh. It it could be. I, I if you if you just look at scripture, I think it's just part of how there. There's always um, some. Well, to be honest, I think it goes back to the sac. The sacristy wasn't right behind, or and it still isn't always necessarily right. Like oh sure right, right behind near, the altar <clears throat> beyond, yeah right. the, the sanctuary so there's just like how else are you going to get to right. and in many parishes it still isn't the sacristy yeah. and holy spirit is a long ways away from right, the right, altar right. for instance so actually that that reminds me something that I've, we haven't really done yet that I do want to take a little bit to do is talk about the geography of the church oh boy. We're never going to get to mass. <laughs> Bill's like, Mm-mm. you guys thought we were going to start with the sign of the cross. No, no, no. I do. I do want because we we, we talked about this um, one of the early episodes with the symbolism of the narthex. Do you remember this that conversation? So when you first, which is the foyer, the foyer. What do you think? Yes, I remember. Uh, so yes. the symbolism of the narthex being a a, a place of transition mm-hmm. from. Uh, in the world and worldly concerns to in, if you will, the temple, right. the church proper. So it, it's a geographic space and, and it serves all sorts of, um, in most churches, functional purposes, a foyer, you know, heating and cooling, like very practical things. Mm-hmm. But there is also a spiritual dimension to it. Okay, so there's there's uh, there's the the narthex, the, the place where the pews some churches, the chairs, but most churches, the place where the pews are. Do you know, Renee, what we call that area? I think that's the nave. Correct. Right? Okay. Does it sound like anything to you? Nativity. Oh. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Or a cave. Nave or cave. <laughs> rhymes with cave. We're sitting in the cave. Um, <laughs> what about, um, what about, think about Thanks, one, of the, one, of the, one of the branches of the military. Oh, the Navy? The Navy. What does that have to do with the Navy? What does that have to do with the the you're nave, making stuff up. No, now. I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't remember the strict <laughs> etymology here, but there there's an etymological connection to a ship. Okay. Uh, when you think uh, now, Renee, in scripture about ships of salvation, a boat where people would want to go to be saved. Hmm. <laughs> you mean like an ark? Maybe type like of an boat? ark. Okay, then why wouldn't they call like, the nave the ark or the so, hull or the? <laughs> so just as Noah's ark was a place of salvation, mm-hmm. so the, there's an etymological connection between the place where we gather for mass almost all the time, uh, the place where the mass happens, the larger place is is the nave. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we walk in. The nave is 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 where we sit and so on. And then we've already talked about the the place where the altar is is the. Sanctuary. Sanctuary. <laughs> All I had in my head was sacristy, and I'm like, that's right. No, not that's not right. Yep. The, the, the sacristy, uh, uh, sorry, the sanctuary. Um, so the holy place. So, so the word sanctus, the holy place. And, and, and what you're seeing here is a way in which our 
parishes, our Catholic churches, mimic the geography of the of the Old Testament tabernacle mm-hmm. and temple. I was just going to say that it, the where the tabernacle was was that the sanctuary, or was there the sanctuary and then the holy of holies? So, so th- this is where it gets a little bit confusing <clears throat> because in the Old Testament. Uh, with with Moses, the tabernacle was the whole thing, right? Was the large, and then within. So, maybe I misunderstood your question. So, within that, then you've got the the holy place, and then the holy of holies. Right. So, in the temple, so it's kind of similar. Yep, so we just to, call them different things. You do. So, we got in the in the temple, the Jerusalem temple that Solomon built. You've got the temp, the large temple, and then you've got the holy the holy place where priests only could go. So, people could come in and pray in the temple proper, mm-hmm. but only only priests could go into the holy place and the holy of holies is where the ark of the covenant was right. uh until it was lost right. the lost ark of the covenant <laughs> um and only the high priest would go in there once right. a year um so our churches we've got the the nave where we all are mm-hmm. and then you've got the sac- the the sanctuary which is where the ministers the priest mm-hmm. or bishop um deacon uh, and the servers lector that's where they enter into, mm-hmm. uh, but then and then we have our tabernacle uh, where the Eucharist is held, where Jesus literally is, right. and yeah, th- those who the priest, deacon, sometimes extraordinary minister of Holy Communion will go to the tabernacle for for Holy Communion. Um, so we do have that sort of threefold structure, mm-hmm. and we, we you you usually see the sanctuary. How is the sanctuary usually? set apart in the past there was an altar rail but most of our churches today don't have an altar rail but the altar rail among other things distinguished the the larger church the nave from the sanctuary right what do we when you think about your parish my parish the cathedral parish how was the sanctuary distinguished from the nave well there's a couple ways okay so in my parish it's distinguished by being raised yes uh in some parishes it's raised and like like tucked in, niched yep, into yep, a space. Yep. Yep. But usually it's raised. At, almost always it's at least raised. Mm-hmm. And there might be other things, a railing, some right. other thing. Again, to make clear that this this whole place is holy, but this place is particularly holy. And then the the altar and tabernacle are especially right. holy. Right. Um Okay, so in the sanctuary we've got the tabernacle. We also what else do we have in the in the sanctuary? Mm, you'll have the ambo. Yep. Uh, the priest chair. Yep. I don't know. Presider's I know. Presider's chair. Y- yep. <clears throat> um, the altar. Yep. <laughs> Let's not forget Which that. Which we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, usually the tabernacle, um, candles, different things yep. like that. The credence table. Credence table. Credence table. Is that where the... The stuff is the stuff. That's where the stuff is. The vessels and the so on yes, the, are sitting before the they're taken to the altar. The vessels, a.k.a. stuff. The stuff. Is <laughs> <laughs> on the greatest table. Yeah. Yep. So the- um, If my husband's listening to this, he's like, oh, I'm shaking right, my right, head right, right, right now. Right, right. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the things that we typically see, they're all there for obviously for mm-hmm. a reason and they're they all there because they're all associated in a particular with the mass. They're all- Holy. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about this when we uh, later on, <laughs> several episodes a year down from the now. road. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we don't just bring out right. coffee mugs for It's not communion. little plastic cups with grape juice. Not, why not? Why not, though? 
Well, I sometimes wonder if we'll end up there the way we're going with with viruses and so right. on. But I don't know why not. Uh, because these are holy, they're holy vessels because of their purpose. Okay. So in the case of the chalice, right. it's going to be holding the the body, blood, soul. We don't put Jesus, Jesus just Christ. in a plastic cup. We don't just put Jesus. So <laughs> the word, you know what, Renee, do you know what the word holy means? Like, again, etymologically, like literal, in the most literal sense. Mm, I could take a guess. Um, maybe set aside. Did that I get guess. that right? Yes, you got that. <laughs> Good job, Renee. Uh, yeah. So set aside or set apart for a particular purpose. Okay. So we're called to become holy because we're set aside for a purpose that is to evangelize the mm-hmm. world. Lifelong mm-hmm. Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're sinless. No. Right. It doesn't mean you're sinless. It means you're set, I think aside, a lot of people set think aside that for a purpose. Yeah. Right. Right. Hopefully growing. Right. In yes. That. Yes. Um, so these vessels, because of their holy purpose, they're only, they're only, that's the other thing. So they're usually made of a precious metal or mm-hmm. at least covered in a precious metal plated in gold or silver. Um, so you're telling me the priest doesn't wander around with his coffee in the chalice back of the Well, then that's the other thing. And they're not used for anything else. So neither does the priest bring his, his mug out to use for mass. Neither is he using doesn't the chalice in. to sip coffee right. from um, in his rectory. Right. No, no, because it's set aside for a particular purpose. Right. All right, the so ambo is where the most people would think of it as the lectern. It's where the readings mm-hmm. are proclaimed mm-hmm. from. Um, traditionally, Renee, here's a fun fact about the ambo. Uh, traditionally, the ambo is set on the northern side of the sanctuary. Not always, but this, let me see. Yeah, this is the case in our cathedral where it's actually literally mm-hmm. raised up, mm-hmm. but it's on the north side. Um, it's notable because in the restoration of the Cathedral of St. Joseph done in the uh, 12, 2012, 13, 14, give or take, um, the ambo used to be on the south side of the sanctuary, south of the altar, but now oh. it's north of the altar. Okay. Interesting. Any idea why? Mm, well, because the I know the tabernacle is usually on the east. Yes? Yes, yeah. Why is that on the north? I don't know. So there, I can't think of a reason. <laughs> there is in the Old Testament, in particular, and I don't have the verse handy, but there was a, a tradition like it was out of the north that either the beast comes or Satan, like like the, so. The, put the, the reader the over there. Darkness. No big deal. They're gonna go first. <laughs> so the word of God is proclaimed to protect us oh, from the okay. forces of darkness. Okay, uh, interesting. I'm just trying to figure out at Holy Spirit if that's the north or not because that church is I cannot thinking about coming yeah, in the I don't door think I can't it's, it's I don't think clean. it is I think it's more east maybe even south southeast maybe I can't yeah I know, our parish St. Lambert's it's it's I think I'd have to bring end. a compass in there to you figure might. it out <laughs> <laughs> you might okay so the last thing before we get back to um, the action um, the altar mm-hmm. what is an altar Renee it's a place where sacrifice is made I'm on a roll. Yes. And (laughs) I want to talk about what the altar looks like. And we'll do that in just a minute. But if you're just tuning in to listen to Ignition, I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking with Ray Kranz today about why we do what we do at Mass. And we've just been talking about the geography of our churches. And uh, we're going to 
continue on um, in our, in our discussion of what actually happens at mass in the mass uh, with the we left off with the procession, but the altar. What does it look like? So it's, yes, it's the place where sacrifice happens. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? It's usually rectangular. Yep. it looks like a table. Looks like a table. So that's that's uh, in most places emblematic of uh, or reminds us symbolic of the fact this is a sacred banquet that happens. Mm-hmm. It's first and foremost a place of sacrifice. Um, but it's also the language of banquet. Uh, think especially, I think of again our Cathedral of Saint Joseph. What is does the altar look like? Anything that altar in particular look like anything else to you? Look like anything else? Hmm. I'm okay. <clears throat> we've I, we've evidently never talked about this. Mm-mm. The the in our cathedral, and this is common. It looks a little bit like a tomb. Okay. Like like a coffin. Well, Yes, because actually the one at Holy Spirit does too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. What the heck's going on with that? Well, in a lot of churches, when when the Catholic Church first started, when Christianity first started, a lot of times saints or apostles were buried underneath the altars, weren't they? Or like within it? Does so that have something to do you're, with it? You're, 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 you're barking up the right tree okay. for sure. So <clears throat> early church martyrs mm-hmm. right so yes and they're, they're people are killed for their faith they're they're buried in catacombs and oftentimes christians would go to the catacombs to say mass because oh, they could do sure, it in secret yep. but they also do it as to reverence um those who had given their lives so mass would be celebrated on the tombs of the martyrs mm. okay so up to today, certainly not every, but many Catholic churches, the altar looks like a tomb as a way to remind us of this ancient, from at the very the early centuries mm-hmm. of the church, when mass was celebrated uh, literally on the tomb, tomb of the martyrs. Okay. There's another way in which that ancient practice is carried over mm-hmm. to today. What mm-hmm. is that? That's um, almost every altar has uh, some sort of, Bones or something of a saint, a relic, a relic. of a saint. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And and we can usually talk about bones or usually it's almost right? all. Yeah, boy, I I think it's a fragment or something. Yep, um, part of their body. Yeah. So th- again, another way to remind us of this practice from the ancient church, but also for us today. I mean, I I don't think about this to be honest, but the whole there's so much <laughs> there's so much that happens at mass that if I would try to be attentive to all of it, it'd be as long as this series is going to be. Uh, so one step at a time but, is what we're saying. So I'm just struck by this right now, to be honest, Renee. So when I go to mass, there are the remains of those who have maybe given their lives, but at least lived lives of profound holiness. Mm-hmm. So that should um, invite me, prompt me, to take my faith in general, but certainly the mass that I'm about to, 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 to participate in, to pray, to take it seriously, just as they took it seriously. Right. right. Their, their bodies are literally there mm-hmm. within uh, the, the altar on which the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is going to be offered right. in this mass that I'm about to participate in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. Did we cover most of it? I think we're good with most of the geography <laughs> okay. uh, of the church. So back to, let's hit play again on this mess that we're meandering through. The priest processes. He approaches the sanctuary. We talked about the distinctions. So usually there's steps or whatever. Uh, and and usually, I mean, 
all together, maybe with the other ministers, the servers, the the deacon, um, priest, bishop, whoever it is. Uh, oftentimes, they will genuflect mm-hmm. to again to the tabernacle. We mm-hmm. talked about this several episodes ago. Uh, genuflection is a sign of of adoration to Jesus, who is truly present. However, if if, as is the case in some of our churches, uh, the tabernacle with Jesus in the Eucharist present is if if the tabernacle is not in the nave, it's not in the sanctuary. Do you remember what what would they do as a gesture uh, at when they're at the? They would probably the bow instead. Bow to the altar. Altar. Mm-hmm. So that's again what we do when we walk into church. If the tabernacle is maybe in a Eucharistic chapel and it's not in the the nave, the sanctuary, mm-hmm. we bow to the altar because of what it is, right. because it's a place where the sacrifices are going to be offered. Uh, then they go in and the servers do their thing. Oh, 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 oh. oh, Did you skip what else the priest does at the altar? I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. The servers do Good their grief. thing. <laughs> the priest and the deacon, bishop, whoever. So the ordained ministers approach the altar and what do they do? And they go around to the other side because usually you're coming... You're, they're walking down towards the front of the altar. Yep. They walk around to the other side yep. and uh, kiss the altar. They get, why the heck do they kiss the altar? Well, I assume because it's a holy, sacred thing where where the sacrifice is made. I'm making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love how you just you just sit there and look at me like I'm letting them, letting them. <laughs> Is she, I'm not giving you enough rope to hang yourself with. You, no, you were you were doing a good job. Uh, yeah, so far, it's where the sacrifice is going to be offered. It's again, the martyrs are buried there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a holy uh, object. Not every holy object gets kissed, right? <laughs> but it is the most holy object. Well, ish. It's one right. of the most holy objects. So they venerate the altar mm-hmm. with a kiss. Uh, and then they go to the presider's chair, the mm-hmm. deacon's chair, or whatever. The song might finish. Uh, the antiphon might finish. And then, <gasps> finally, we get to the order of mass. Yes. And we have, um, they used to be called opening rites. In, I don't know if that was ever the formal thing. And that, that's something I didn't look up. Maybe I will for next time. But what's the, the first thing that we have is the greeting. Right. In which father does not say, hey, how you guys doing? Good to see you. I mean, he might do that, but that's not the formal right. greeting. What's the formal greeting by which, again, most of us think this is the actual now beginning well, of the Well, it's the sign mass. of the cross. It's the first thing. So, which is what? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, the priest says, mm-hmm. in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and we say. Amen. So there's actually three options here. So I have a confused look on my face. If, yeah. In case you're not do watching I wa- the okay. video. <laughs> I, do I do want to, I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> there's the part of the mass that's fixed. Okay. That's the order of the mass. Mm-hmm. Then there's the part of the mass where the prayers and so on are proper to that particular mass. That's called the proper of the mass. Okay. I'll talk more about this a little bit. Within the order of the mass, so I said it's either way. Those, those, all those prayers are already set right. for the priest, for the people. There is no ad libbing that happens. Right. The closer we get to the ad libbing, obviously, the homily mm-hmm. uh, is not mm-hmm. set. Um, Some priests do a little ad libbing right here, though. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and well, I'll come back to that in a little bit. Okay. So, so the the prayers that are set forth for the mass are all predetermined. Right. They're in the missal, right? Uh, but the the greeting is a good example. Um, the penitential act is another one where the church does provide some options. Okay for the presider to use. So in the case of the greeting, um, again, they're all set, but there are three options. So it can be in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's one. Uh, what do we say, by the way? And with your spirit. Uh, option two. Or be, and also with you, if you're not paying attention. <laughs> if you, it's only been. <laughs> Bill looked at me like, what? It's only been 10 years. <laughs> I know, but. Sometimes it still comes out. <laughs> Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then three, or C, the Lord be with you mm-hmm. and with your spirit. So, uh, but but the Mass begins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we touched on this briefly a few episodes ago in this series um, when, we, when we talked about coming in and signing yourself with the holy water, mm-hmm. right? Why do we begin the mass with these words? Do you know? Because everything we do there is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's like we're claiming it. I guess that's what it is to me. Like we're claiming it. We're claiming ourselves for God and showing that we are Christians. Yep. Catholic. So this greatest prayer, and we talked about how we pre-pray to prepare and we pray also, but the mass is the greatest prayer, but all of all of Christian prayer, when we pray it, we pray it in the name of God. Mm-hmm. And we know that God is triune. So we pray everything we do. We're not doing it. In, I'm, I'm certainly not praying in my own name. Right. I'm not praying it in the name of father, the priest. I'm not praying in the name of Bishop de Grude. Mm-hmm. I'm not praying in the name of Pope Francis. I am praying it in the name of the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I repeated one word in there twice. Of? Uh, I've repeated it three times. No. What did you repeat? I don't even know. Name. Name. <laughs> name. It's singular. Oh, right. What? What's the big deal? Because it's one God. Because there's one God. Mm-hmm. So we oftentimes will say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's actually, it's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, but not names, name. So there is one God and mm-hmm. we pray in his name, but is the name it is the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this is the way in which we show that we are praying in God's name and he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. This is the first, and of course, there is the gesture, right. which is ancient. So I also talked about this briefly, but I said I was going to come back to it. So just very quick, very quick, uh, because we're almost out of time, and then we'll come back to it in the next episode of the series. And we'll get through the first. The prayer. ancient church, there we would people would make the sign of the cross mm-hmm. on their forehead, and we've carried within within a couple a few centuries that practice was extended, where you do start the forehead, the chest. Shoulder, shoulder. Mm -hmm. But there's a way in which some Christians, including some Catholics, do it a little bit differently. But we'll have to wait for that next time. Renee, thanks for being here again today. Sure thing. 
And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, folks, you can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, may God bless you.